Good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Joe, and I'm one of the pastors here at Central City, and uh, it's a joy to be with you. Um, I'm uh, particularly humbled and um, uh, nervous uh, and humbled and excited to be sharing today. There's some things that are, um, uh, the message is particularly heavy on my heart, and I'm excited to be able to uh, share it with you, and hopefully uh, hopefully you're able to uh, receive it and uh, if not, uh, you can get a hold of me at, uh, just email me at alyssa at centralcity.co and uh, joke. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, we come before you and we ask that you would, in fact, uh, Lord, we don't ask. We know that even before we came here, you were uh, ever present with us and that you have been ushering us in and calling us. And your presence is so um, evident here, even if we can't uh, feel it or sense it. And we just trust that you're able to um, speak to us. So, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you. You really are our rock and our salvation. It's your name we pray. Amen. When uh, Alyssa and I first started uh, working towards launching a new church, um, our goal, uh, logically so, was to try to talk to as many people as we could. And so just in classic networking style, we would just go to as many places as we could and talk to as many people as we could and try to find places where you could spark up conversation with people. So we went to the library. Alyssa took Finn to the library for reading times and would chat with people or chamber meetings or uh, just anywhere where we can spark up a conversation just like you would in any sort of networking. And one of the places I had early on, this was very early in the church planning stage. Um, We were still living in Athens, Ohio at the time. We hadn't even moved to Columbus. But I said to myself, I said, here's an area where I can maybe meet some people who who maybe aren't going to church anywhere. It was uh, 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 local poetry nights. Because something uh, about me that you may or may not know is when I was in college, I used to do uh, poetry. Um, now, it, uh, that doesn't mean I have any sort of, like, I'm not an especially emotive individual. So most of my poetry was comedy-based, uh, strangely enough, and we just had a lot of fun with it. But that's what I did in college, and it was one of the best ways for me to connect with people who weren't uh, Christians. And so I decided that I would go to a poetry night here in Columbus. And uh, this one that I found was in an old bar uh, near OSU's campus. Now, here's the thing you got to know about me as well. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a major introvert. And so meeting new people is uh, not only just completely exhausting, um, but uh, can be at times terrifying. And uh, so I pulled up to this bar um, and uh, uh, pulled, uh, my, parked my car and sat there. I don't know uh, if there's other introverts, introverts in the room, I can get an amen. But I just, I just I sat there. And then I decided to leave. And so I drove away and went around the block a couple more times and then parked again and sat there in my car. Um, and, and just every part of me wanted to just go home. I was just terrified of going into a new place to meet new people. And, and even I even had, and this probably made it worse, a poem that I could potentially read. And I hadn't read a poem, uh, you know, uh, spoken word poetry in a very long time. So I sat there for probably 15, 20 minutes trying to justify why I didn't need to be there. And, and, and I did. I worked up the courage and I went in. And I was, I was immediately out of my comfort zone. I mean, this small town Christian boy walks into a dark, dingy university bar filled with a bunch of punk poets. And I'm not saying that as, I mean, like punk in a cool way, like take down the man, not like punk as in they're annoying, like 
just that that was this that was the the thing and i and and i almost like i don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're really out of your element but i almost felt like my feet were carrying me somewhere i didn't really want to go and i was like why am i still moving forward and and then eventually i found myself in a seat and i'm sitting there and i sat down and, and the worst thing happened no one talked to me and and I had no idea what I was supposed to do. Did I was I supposed to sign in? Did I have to pay, or were the only the people who were actually going to read the poems were supposed to pay? Because I saw some people exchanging money, or was that for drinks? I didn't know where the restrooms were, and should I order a drink? And should I read my poem at all? And then and then people got up and they started sharing, and I still fell out of the place because they started talking about things that were so foreign to me. A bunch of these punk kids read poems that just were about heartbreak and brokenness, and they were about abuse, and they were using the most vulgar language you can imagine, and they were just burying their souls and friends it was beautiful foreign to me but beautiful and all the while I, I remember sitting there thinking to myself boy I hope if anyone does talk to me they don't ask me what I do because I could tell in this particular setting with their poems that were against uh, basically government and religion what they would think if they knew I was a pastor I mean, it, just imagine, like, every poem was basically against the man, and as a pastor, the man basically walked in and sat down. Like, that's how it works. And in fact, I found over and over again, when people find I'm a pastor, it kind of makes the conversation a little different. Um, first off, this is the number one thing that happens when people find I'm a pastor, they start apologizing for their curse words. So let me just say, at a time, you don't have to. Uh, apologize ahead of time, but they start apologizing for everything. And it's just like this feeling of shame and guilt just falls on people just because of my position. And so if only they knew who I was, they would never let me back. And I know that fear is irrational, but the fear was there and the experience for me was painful. And, and, and so after the first round of poems, someone came up to me and they asked me, Hey Joe, Oh, they didn't know my name, but Hey, would you, would you be willing to be one of the judges? The second round of poems, there were judges and there was a competition. And so they didn't know who I was. And, and this was an olive branch of sorts. They wanted me to be one of the judges, but it was too, I was too far gone at that point. I was uncomfortable. I was stressed out. And so I told him I had to leave early and I couldn't do that. And so that's what I did. I left. And I never felt more like an outsider. And it humbled me because we were beginning a season of our lives where we were trying to meet as many new people as possible. And I just felt like I had failed. You know, I just missed opportunity to connect with some people who maybe would have never connected with a pastor. I don't know. And it wasn't their fault. It was me. I was struggling with it. Later that night, I left that poetry night, and I was thinking about the experience. And my drive home, I was um, just really discouraged, and I was thinking, and I was praying. And, uh, and then I realized something. And I don't know if this is true, but it felt true at the time. I realized that the way I felt as a pastor attending a poetry night in a dark bar with a bunch of punk anarchists is probably how many of them would feel if they showed up at church. And, and as somebody who was raised in the church, my dad's a pastor, and I've been a pastor for, I hate to say many years now, I'm still young. I feel like I've been doing this forever. I, I don't feel uncomfortable in churches. And so all of a sudden, this feeling of being an outsider in a community that you maybe struggle connecting with all of a sudden became all too real. So I wonder, maybe... It's how some of you feel when you show up to church. 
Have you ever walked into a church and you felt like you could just never earn the right to really belong there? And that everything was foreign and maybe there was something beautiful about it, but you didn't quite understand it. And the people were just maybe so different from you that there's just no way that you could connect with them. And that fear of never belonging keeps you in your car or in your seat or you leave as quickly as possible. And you're just worried that if the people here figured out who you really were, oh, they'd be so uncomfortable and you'd never be able to belong. Have you ever wanted to belong, especially in a church, and you just never could? If so, I, I know just a small piece of what that feels like. And belonging is, is a tricky thing. According to Kendra Cherry on an article, uh, she said that belonging refers to a human emotional need to affiliate with and be accepted by members of a group. Just a basic definition I want to work with today. It's this idea that we are not only accepted by a group of people, but that group of people is willing to be associated with me. That's what belonging is ultimately about. It means you're, you're more than just a visitor, you're more than just an attender, but when a group, like say this church, looks at you, they say, that, that's, those are my people. They're, they're one of us. That, that's what it means to belong. And, and, and so I, I ask again, have you ever struggled belonging to a church? Because if you have, let me tell you the secret. I'll, I'll give you the secret. Most churches, this is the easiest way to really feel like you belong. It, it works like this. Now, I grew up in church, and so this is my own experience. I don't know if this is your experience. This is mine. I experienced a very simple process for belonging. It wasn't usually written down, but it might as well have been, because if you followed this pattern, you would be in every time. That's how it worked. Here's the first step. You had to behave a certain way. Number one, which means there was, there was all sorts of rules. They were unspoken, some were spoken, and if you didn't live the way the church wanted you to live, then you couldn't belong. And some people, you know, they were all kinds of rules, you know? Some people didn't want me to drink, other people didn't want me to date unless we were getting married, other people were against gambling, some people wanted me to vote Republican, others Democrat, but if I behaved the right way in the right group of people, then maybe I could belong, I could stick around. So first I have to behave, and then if I behave the right way, I would be told what to believe. And I was taught what it meant to be a Christian, and sometimes it went very specific to the type of Christian. You know, the Calvinists wanted me to be more Calvinist, and the Reformed people wanted me to be more Reformed, and the Missionary Church wanted me to be more missional, and the Wesleyans wanted me to be more Wesleyan. And it ended up in all of this sort of confusing somewhere in the midst of that. I learned what it meant to have faith, and if I believed the right thing, I would end up belonging. So as long as I behaved the right thing and believed the right thing with the right people, then I could belong. Behave, belong, Behave, believe, belong, in that order. And that's how the church worked for me. And that's, friends, that's how you get in. I used to work for, um, uh, with youth before I was a pastor, and I would do this exercise. It was a very simple exercise. I would grab a couple of the biggest guys in the room, and I'd have them come up, and I would have them. I'm not going to do the exercise, but just imagine with me. I'd grab a couple of the big guys in the room, and I'd have them form a circle facing each other. And then I'd grab, you know, one of the scrawny kids in the room, and I'd bring them up, and I'd say, okay, here's what I want you to do. And this is the only instructions I'd give them. I'd say, I want you to do whatever you can to get inside that group. That's all I'd say. I'd say, I want you to do whatever you can to get inside that circle. Go. And guess what happened every time? The big guys would lock arms. <laughs> and then the little guy would just jump and kick, and I would let that go on for a while, and then I would say this. This is such a terrible exercise. So embarrassing. I said, all I said was, I want you to try to get in the circle. I didn't tell the guys to keep them out. But we just kind of assume that's what we're supposed to do if someone's trying to get in. Church does this all the time. 
it's not just the church. It's just what it means to be human. It's like primal. It's part of like the brokenness of our humanity. We have a tendency, if someone's trying to get in, then we start asking the question, well, should we let them? Wait a second. What are the rules? What do they need to do first? Are they believing the right thing? Are they behaving the right way? Like, wait a second. We're just going to let anyone in this place? And we wrestle with that. And that's what we do, and I think that's what churches sometimes do, but it's not what I see Jesus doing. So let's look at a passage, Matthew 18. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones, you can go there. You can also follow along on the Bible app. Matthew 18, starting with verse 12, Jesus tells a story about sheep. Jesus liked to tell stories about sheep. We're going to look at two of them today. And uh, it's part of just, you know, him being in an agricultural society. But it's a parable with a story, a uh, story with a lesson. It's Matthew 18, starting with verse 12, it says this. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier. He is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did, that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. What do we see the Good Shepherd doing here? Is he gathering the 99 sheep together, forming a committee and to try to figure out who they're going to let in? Is that how he's spending his time? Maybe locking arms, trying to figure out who we keep out and who we let in, and being protective? Because that's what churches do. And, oh, don't get me wrong. Churches are, I mean, we do this too. This is just what we do as humans. It's what humans do. And we're always very careful about it. Very, very careful. We word it very carefully because we know as Jesus followers, we're meant to be, you know, nice. And so we want to be nice about it. And so we use really carefully worded phrases like love the sinner, hate the sin. Is that what the shepherd's doing in this parable? No. That's not even the question he's asking. He's not asking who should we let in. He's asking a different question. And in some ways, I think this is a much better question. So if you want to take notes, I encourage you to write down. I don't think our first question should be, who do we let in? Our first question should be, who is missing? And you look around in the world and in society and you say, okay, well, who, who's missing and where did they go and, and how can we get them back and, and where should we be going, not cloistering together, but where should we be going to get them back and, and where will we go to find them and when we find them, do you think they'll let us carry them back and, and what does it mean to love people who aren't even a part of the community yet and how can we find more of them? These are the questions we should be asking. So I want to pause. If, if you have found yourself here this morning on your own, maybe you found us online or or whatever, and, and you've stepped into this community, and maybe there's a part of you that's wondering if you could ever belong here. All I can say is this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to find your own way here. I'm sorry that we didn't meet you where you were before. I wish we would have done a better job of meeting you where you were and, and, and welcoming you in and inviting you in so that there would never be a question on your mind whether we wanted you here. Because regardless of how you got here, we do. We want you here. Not because you've earned it or even because we even know you yet. Because we might not, we might not even have met you. But because of this, 
that you, just like me and just like us, need a place to belong. Psychologists suggest that belonging or this feeling of being accepted and affiliated with a group of people is one of the most basic human needs. That finding a place to belong, finding a place where there are people who are okay saying, hey, you're, you're part of us, like, well, I'm, I'll attach my name to you. And it's just one of the most basic human needs. It's right up there with the need for shelter, with the need for food, with the need for water. And those who go without this basic need, they suffer in real ways. So psychologists have found that those who lack belonging often are associated with poor health, depression, suicide, even criminal acts. because They don't feel like they have a people they can belong to. And that going without belonging can actually make us really desperate and hungry in a way that we don't even often recognize. And we see this in Scripture. One time Jesus was teaching, he told another story about sheep, and this one also involved goats, so that's exciting. And there was a shepherd who had the job of separating the sheep from the goat, and the sheep, you know, one of them was going to go on to the slaughter and die, and the other one was going to go on the pasture and live. So he's separating the sheep from the goats. And so life on one side and death on the other. And he wasn't talking just about sheep and goats, obviously. He was talking about humanity and saying, you're going to fall into two camps. And those camps are going to be based on really basic criterion. And here's the criterion. The criterion is, is, are you willing to address other people's basic needs? Right? That was the criteria. And so one group is willing to address humanity's basic needs, and they will go on to life. The other group says, I don't want to help other people address their basic needs, and they'll go on to death. And so what are the basic needs that he's addressing? He says, he says in Matthew 25, 35, and 36, he says this. He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Basic human needs, right? You got to eat, and you got to drink. These are basic human needs. And if you see someone who doesn't have these things and you don't do anything about it, then you are on your way to death because that's not what it means to live. You've missed the point of what it means to be a Jesus follower. But then he goes on. Look at what else he says. He's addressing basic human needs. He says, and I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Right up there with basic human needs, food and water, he's he's saying belonging. That's what he's talking about, what it means to belong. He's saying that I was without a home and you gave me a place to, to be at home, more than just providing some shelter over there. No, you brought me into your home and you gave me a place to belong and you accepted me. And, and even though I was a stranger, you accepted me and you brought me in. And then you clothed me, taking away my shame. And, and I was sick. Even when I was sick, you cared for me. And when I got in trouble and I went to prison, you didn't forsake me. That even prison wouldn't keep me from belonging to you. So right there with food and water, the most basic needs is this picture of belonging. So if we're going to ask the question, who gets in or what does it take for someone to belong? We have to ask this question like this. Ask yourself this. Who are you willing to give food and water to? And what must someone do in order to earn the right for you to have, for you to give them food and water? And however you answer that, the same should be applied with the people you're willing to associate with. If you're willing to take care of their basic needs, belonging is one of those. So who will we allow to belong here at Central City Church? Anyone who needs it. And that could get me in a lot of trouble. This is a dangerous message. Oh, this is dangerous. I'm asking for so much trouble as a pastor. Let just anybody in. Oh, my gosh. So many churches, they start with behave, 
and then believe, and if you behave the right way, you believe the right things, then you can belong. Here at Central City, we want to flip the script. It took only about a half hour to get to the series title. Belong first, without limitation. And in the context of belonging, we'll talk about what it means to believe. And in the context of faith, we'll talk about what it means to live differently, but in that order, belong, believe, behave. Because community isn't something you should have to earn a right to. It's too important to have to earn it. It, Community is something that's given. It's something you receive. It's, It's about grace. So who will we allow to belong? Anyone who needs it. Anyone who's willing to receive it. It's a gift. And that means, yes, even you. If you're here, if, if this, even if this is your first time here, uh, Central City Church can be your church. It doesn't have to be, um, but it can be. Uh, we won't hold it back from you. We, we give you this community as a gift. If you're willing to receive it, you can belong here. And before you tell me what you believe without having everything figured out, without having all of your problems fixed just as you are, if that's you, you are welcome here. One time I was a, a pastor at a new church, and um, I, um, I, I, kept, I, was, I was the pastor of the church, mind you, but I kept referring to the church as their church or your church. I wasn't saying my church or our church. I didn't realize I was doing it. I don't know if you've ever done this before when you're part of a new community. I, I wasn't even thinking about it, but someone on staff called me out because, you know, as the pastor of the church, I probably shouldn't be referring to it as their church. Like, I'm like that doesn't work well. So they're like, call me out. And I was like, I didn't even realize I was doing it. And so I really wrestled with that. So I want us to just do a little bit of a thought exercise with you. Um, I want you to just pretend, I want you to think, what would it look like for you to say um, that this is your church? That it's not someone else's church, that, it, that it's our church. I want you to think about that right now. What would it look like? Even, even for this time, that you, even for the, if you're here for the first time, what would it look like for you to say, this is our church? Roll that around in your brain. I'm not asking you to commit to anything. You're not signing a lease agreement, nothing. When you think about it, thought exercise. How does it feel? This is, this is my church. This is, this is my church. Not your church. This is my church. Is it, is it, what is it? Try it on. Is it uncomfortable? Because I imagine for some it's probably uncomfortable, but why? I want you to think about that. Why is it uncomfortable? It's because you're too new and uh, you haven't earned the right to call it my church. If so, what if it wasn't about earning the right? What if it was about receiving something? What if community is a gift and we're just giving it away? Or what if um, maybe it's because you're afraid of commitments, that you're afraid of what it would mean? And, and, and that's actually really fair because God's gifts are often completely free, um, but they almost always require almost everything from us. They, they, so you should. Jesus says you should count the cost. And, and so wrestle with that. If that's what you're struggling with, wrestle with that. that. That's what it makes you like, I don't want to take the next step because I don't know what it's going to cost me. Well, count the cost. Think about it. Or maybe it's because you're not so much uncomfortable with us. Um, you're, you're just uncomfortable with Christianity in general specifically how it's lived out in America. I don't know if you know this or not, but as I've been trying to meet people who are far from faith, one of the greatest hindrances to making a commitment to follow Jesus isn't Jesus, but it's just the way people have lived out the faith in America. I met with a guy once, and he's a really bright, 
intelligent medical student. He's a doctor now, and, and he had a lot of questions. He had a lot of questions about what the Bible meant and, and what it means to be saved and what it means to be a Christian, and we talked through all of those, and he got to a place where he wanted to make a commitment, and there was one thing holding him back. He um, didn't want to vote Republican. He didn't want to own a gun. Nothing wrong with any of those things, but in his mind, that's what it meant to be a Christian. And it was a huge, it was a huge barrier for him. And so, you know, as a pastor, I have a choice. I'm like, well, buddy, this is what it means to be a Christian in America. Get over it. Or I could say, no, it's not about that. But, but so, so maybe you're hearing like, well, I don't, I don't, you guys seem fine, whatever, but I'm not sure I want to be associated with this whole Christian thing. I get it. Sometimes I don't either. But I love being associated with Jesus because it changed my life. Maybe you're uncomfortable with it for another reason. Whatever it is, that's fine. I, I just encourage you to think about it. What's going on? And what would it take for you to belong here? So one of my favorite things in, uh, when I belong to communities is, 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 a, is, a, is a card, um, you know, some sort of membership card, whatever. My favorite one is the zoo. Anyone got a membership card to the zoo? You got a member, yeah. You know what I love about it? You pull up to the parking attendant, and it's like ten bucks to park, unless you have the card, and then you're like, you don't have to say anything, you know. You just show it, and you just like they let you right in. I was like, when I have a card that says that I belong somewhere, like I walk around that place like I own the place. Same thing with Kosai, even Kroger. Like just having the Kroger, I don't even have to pay for that. Just the Kroger card. I'm like, I get the special discount, you know. Like I, not the top price, the bottom price is mine. And uh, do you want to put in your plus card? Yes, I do. And I'm like, I love it. So um, as an invitation, as, as, as we wrestled with, what does it mean to give community away? Uh, we made a card for you. You don't have to take it. You don't have to keep it. But it's yours if you want it. And it simply says, um, at, uh, I belong. You got it when you, when you came in. And so let me sh- tell you what, it, what comes with the benefits of belonging, what they come with. Here's the first one. Um, free admissions to gatherings and small groups for, the, for your whole life. You don't have to pay. It's great. I don't know if you knew there was a cover charge, but um, there isn't one anymore. It's great. Um, number two, the opportunity to serve where I'm gifted. And it, here's, the, here's the caveat. You don't have to earn your place here. That's not what it's about. There's just something beautiful about being, giving people room to do what they're gifted in. Like the, that's, it's, a, it's an opportunity. Not, not a, and so you don't have to serve. You can belong just as much as if you don't. But, but we're going to continually give you opportunities to serve because we think your life will be better off because of it. And then uh, regular opportunities to give generously. Isn't that you know, very generous of us? Um, uh, you're welcome. You know, cause, uh, and honestly, I'm, I'm serious about this. I've never met somebody who didn't want to be generous. It's just we don't always know how or where. And so, yeah, we're striving to be a fiscally responsible organization that's making real tangible difference in the city in the name of Jesus. And so I have no, I have no apologies for giving you opportunities to give generously because I know many of you are looking for that exact thing and uh, uh, for uh, the chance to say this is our church. You don't have to. There's no judgment here. You don't have to say this is our church. But if you want to, if you've just been waiting for permission, um, Consider yourself permitted. You're allowed to. And then five, uh, never being asked to earn my place here. Never feeling like, oh, I got to do something different in order to really belong. You know, we take our faith seriously, and we take the way we live our lives very seriously. And so we will. In the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to believe 
and what we believe here. And the week after that, we're going to talk about what it means to live differently, what it means to behave. And, and we're going to deal with those just as seriously as we do here. But those things don't need to exclude you from belonging, regardless of where you're at on the spectrum. So that's our belong card. And I, and I encourage you, if you're looking for a place to belong or if you ever feel like you've been left out, um, know that there's a, there's a place for here. There's a place here for you. And I mean that. Um, even if this whole church thing isn't the right thing for you or you're, you've got questions, we really, we really have a heart. Um, when I ask the question, who's missing, my answer, and maybe you have a different answer, when I think about the people who aren't here yet, my answer is people who, who are interested in Christianity, who are interested in, the, in Jesus. Maybe they were even raised in the church, but for whatever reason, they've been hurt. They've been disillusioned. They've been pushed away or whatever. That, that's, that's a big part of my heart and my wife's heart. And so if you've got questions, you want to wrestle, you want to wrestle, I would love to wrestle with you on any of those things and know that this is a safe place for you. And more than that, that it's a safe place for those people in your life who you know are missing. Think about that. I challenge you. Is there someone in your life who, man, you just wish would choose to follow Jesus or Choose to be a part of a community of faith or however you want to word it. There's someone there. We want to be a church for them, and not just simply by gathering, but by going. We really do. Let's pray. God, we come before you, and Lord, we know that your grace is rather scandalous at times. Um, that you give it away so freely that those of us who feel we don't need it almost are offended by the ways you give it away so freely. Lord, soften our hearts. Help us to be a place that's safe, where people can be accepted, where we're not embarrassed to be affiliated with people who maybe are different from us, but it would be welcoming to all people. It would be a community that's making a difference not only in a city, but in our, in our lives every day when we Choose to listen and respect one another, especially when we differ. We ask this in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, be alive and well in our hearts and minds. Amen. Please stand as we, for our closing song. Amen.